Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map, and that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. Parents, your teenagers are great. If you choose to see it. Your teenagers are great if you choose to see it. The problem with a lot of parents is that often, and I'll throw myself in there, often we fail to see the greatness in our children. Too often we berate our children with their faults. We remind them of how they have failed and how they have messed up and how they have done wrong. They're just shy. They can't do this or that. They're not very good at that. They're a little chubby. They're, they're not the most handsome fellow you'll ever see. They're not the prettiest girl you'll ever see. I wish they listened better. I wish they did better in school. They aren't the smartest kid in the drawer. Can I just remind you, your kids, your teenagers, are going to have faults. They're going to have areas they need to grow in. But here's the deal. Their friends and your friends don't need to know about it. Having a extended family supper and a family reunion doesn't mean it's a time for us to sit at the table and talk about how, bo- how bad Billy Bob's been doing lately. Nobody needs to do that. Nobody needs to know. Their, friend, their friends don't need to know. Well, you know, I really wish you'd just help Billy Bob do better in school. You know, he's been doing really rough lately. No, their friends don't need to don't know about it. Your friends don't need to know about it. Keep inside family information, inside family information. Keep the mystery of the home. You know, the sad thing is we spot the greatness in the children of others. Yet we fail to see the greatness in our own. If we spend more time searching for the good in our children, we would have less time spent meditating on the bad. And if we spent, and I I challenge you to do this, if we spent more time praising them, it might cause them to respond in a way where we don't have to respond with so much discipline. I want to tell you this today, parents. Your teenagers... Your youth, your children are great if you choose 
to see it. Now, we've been talking about uh, many different subjects here on Sandy Creek Stirrings. We've had apologetic-type episodes defending the faith. We've talked about other religions. We've talked about why I'm an onlyist. We've talked about Baptist history, um, a plethora of subjects. I mean, this is episode number 206, so we've got a lot of different topics we've covered here on Sandy Creek Stirrings. Of course, the podcast that you are listening to today. And of course, I'm your host, Joshua Menes. Thank you for listening. If you've been listening for any length of time and you've listened to all the episodes in order, you'll know that lately it seems as though we've been on a little bit of a teenager or child-rearing or parenting kick, and uh, we've had a few of those episodes over the past few, and uh, maybe I just feel that way as I'm putting out these episodes. It's not intentional necessarily. I just take down, I take notes throughout the week of things, you know, I think it'd be good to talk about this, and I think it'd be good to talk about this, and then I'll develop those episodes, and then we'll record them. So not necessarily on purpose that we've been talking about teenagers and child rearing and parenting lately, but maybe that's just what's been on my heart. Maybe that's because I know I have to be and I have to become a better parent than I am now. That's my goal. My goal is to every single day be a better parent than I was yesterday. And that's really should be for any area of life. I need to be a better husband than I was yesterday. I need to be a better um, assistant to the pastor than I was yesterday. I need to be a better uh, uh, podcast host. That's kind of a weird title, isn't it? Podcast host. Um, you know, podcaster, whatever, um, better than I was yesterday. Every day we should want to see growth. Uh, my previous pastor, Dr. Don Strange, my, my father's now my pastor, but my previous pastor, Dr. Don Strange, used to always say, and now my father says it, uh, good, better, best. Never let it rest till your, goods get, till your good gets better and your better gets best. I'll say it again for you. Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good gets better and your better gets best. We're always working to try and get better, to grow stronger, to be something greater for the cause of Christ with each and every single passing day. That's our goal. And so, I don't know, maybe parenting has been on my heart lately because I know that I need to get better. And these are thoughts that have crossed my mind and things that I've had to work on personally in seeing greatness in my children. And so we're going to talk about that today, how to spot greatness in our children, how to help them achieve greatness, and we're going to talk about that today. Let me encourage you, if you have a question on any of the subjects we've covered, maybe a question you have about the Bible or a question on today's topic, you can send in those questions to joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. And so send those questions in. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. In episode number 87, we talked about how to parent or the parenting truths of Amram and Jochebed. You say, who are they? Well, it's a man and a lady who raised some very wonderful children. Uh, they raised Moses, Aaron, and Miriam that we know of from Scripture. And Moses, of course, led the children of Egypt or the children of Israel out of Egypt. He led them uh, up to the Promised Land. Was a man who talked to God face to face like no other man before. They raised Aaron, who was the first high priest. They raised Miriam, who sang after crossing the Red Sea. I mean, three wonderful children. You can find them in the Hall of Faith. I mean, what wonderful parenting principles they had. 
and they their their children were raised to do such wonderful things. You see in uh, Hebrews chapter eleven, the Hall of Faith, starting in verse twenty four, that they admitted the truth in the face of consequences. They chose to live for God though persecution came. They chose to look ahead to the future and to be content with uh, not to be content with um, present pleasures. To count the name of Christ greater than anything this world can offer. To forsake the world. To remain faithful to God though He was invisible. To keep the word of God and to obey it. To see the miracles of God firsthand because of faith. Those are all things that these children did because of how their parents raised them and what their parents were able to produce. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that entire episode, episode number 87. But one thing we saw in that in that episode is the very first principle that Amram and Jochebed had in their lives was that they recognized the good in their children. When we go to Exodus chapter number 2, we read, And there went a man of the house of Levi, this would be Amram, and took to wife a daughter of Levi, that'd be Jochebed, and the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child. She saw him that he was a goodly child. The word goodly literally means good or precious. By the way, it's the same Hebrew word, that God used back in Genesis chapter 1, one book before, Genesis like one thirty one, where it's the same Hebrew word where God declared all of his creation as it is good. That's the same, same word used there. And that's something that Amram and Jochebed did so well, is they recognized the good in their children— and that laid the foundation for them to be able to produce wonderful and godly children. It is so important that parents recognize the strengths and the good things that their kids do. We must learn as parents the art of learning how to praise and encourage them. Learning to be an encourager is a big part of allowing somebody else to be successful. You'll see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. This applies as a Christian to all of our brethren. By the way, including our children, we should be edifying them. You say, what's it mean to edify? Edify simply means to build up. We should be building up our children, not tearing them down. Now, as parents, we've got to be very careful, okay, because some parents fall into the trap of they want to be their children's friend, and they don't want to be their child's parent. It's very dangerous to become your child's friend and not be their parent. We have a very difficult difficult balance we have to learn to uh, we have to learn to balance this idea of being an encourager and a builder but at the same time we have to be a disciplinarian we have to maintain discipline that's why god said in colossians chapter 3 verse 21 fathers provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged so we have to make sure we keep a proper balance of building them up and praising them and helping them to do good and and seeing the goodness in them but at the same time i have not once said and i'm not going to say that we should ignore the things that they need to work on we shouldn't those are things they need 
help with. When they become adult, they don't need those things in their life. So we want to adjust those things. We want to help them to work on those things. And so we don't necessarily ignore the bad, but we have to be very careful as parents. And this is what I want our eyes to be open to today. We have to be very careful as parents that we don't get so caught up and so focused on the wrong that we begin to see more bad than we do good. Because often we can be talking as parents and we can talk about all the bad things our children do and we begin to get so caught up in it that we fail and forget to remember the greatness that is inside of the children that we have seen. You have to be careful as a parent that you learn to do both. You balance discipline and encouragement. And listen, on the area of being a friend to your child, you are not their friend until they learn to obey. Don't don't make the mistake, though, of leaning either way. Maintain that balance and learn to, a, to encourage your children and acknowledge their hard work in the areas that they are doing good in. So let's talk for a minute on how to identify greatness in, and I'm pushing this towards teens today, but uh, especially children, but especially teens we're going to look at because often we can focus on all the bad things about our teenagers, right? and forget about the good things. And so how to identify greatness in your teens? Here's a couple different methods we can use, a couple different practical things. Number one, find out what they're interested in and encourage them to grow that talent. As long as it's right, as long as it's holy, as long as it's God-honoring, I would encourage them to continue in that talent, to learn whatever it may be, and let's encourage them to move forward in that area. You say, like what? Well, let's say they really enjoy, and I don't know if I've given this example before. I know I've written it into one of my episodes, and I don't know if it was um, a different one, but let's say they really enjoy, let's say they're, you got a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, and they say, you know, I think I would like to be a mechanic. All right, nothing wrong with being a mechanic. Uh, we need mechanics, amen? We need good Christian mechanics who won't rip people off, and we need good mechanics, and they say, you know, I'm interested in, in becoming a mechanic. Well, that's great. Maybe they're good at it. Maybe they show a proficiency at, at working on things. So maybe you go on Facebook Marketplace and you buy a $15 broken down uh, backpack blower, a $15 broken down, a tr- uh, I don't know, weed eater or a lawnmower. You buy something broken down for 50 bucks and you bring it home and you say, here you go. Let's start working on it. And what are you doing? You're taking something that they may be good in, that they have a proficiency at, and you're working to build that in their lives. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, as long as it's holy and God-honoring. If they're like, hey, Dad, I'm a really good gambler. I'm not going to give them money to go gamble online. Uh, That's not right. That's not holy. And uh, somewhere in this episode list, we have an entire episode on why gambling's not right. I think it's called the not-so-golden ticket. And um, you can find the episode number. I don't remember what it is. But find out what they're interested in and help them to grow that talent. If they are good at something, help them to be even better at it. Find methods, find ways to take something that is good and help them become better. Now, we've got to be careful in this area, and I kind of want to put a little asterisk right here. We have to be very careful that we don't get so much time invested in things that are not really going to matter long term. We want to push them to things that are going to matter for eternity. Now, there are things in our life that we enjoy, that we may do, that sometimes if we're not careful, we put too much time into that don't really matter. For instance, take, um, take watching a movie. 
All right, we watch a movie. My wife and I enjoy to watch a movie and uh, watch a TV show together or whatever. As long as it's clean and right and holy, no cussing or anything of that sort, uh, we'll, we like to watch it together. But truth be told, it really doesn't matter for eternity. I mean, you could put a spin on it and say, well, you're growing your marriage, you're spending time together, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But you understand what I'm saying. It's a movie, right? It's not contributing to eternity. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with watching a movie, but we have to be very careful. We don't get so caught up watching movies that we fail in other areas. The same thing can happen with our kids. And let me give you a prime example. Sports. Sports. Sometimes we let our children get so caught up in sports They've got to be to this baseball game here and then this baseball game and they're going to be traveling here and, oh, they're going, to, they're going to go play baseball in college. Great. They are now a professional game player. And, um, you know, here's the deal. Baseball and football and basketball and those things do not really matter. So maybe it's not the best idea to push our kids to go practice for, you know, eight hours on Saturday so they can better their basketball skills. Now, there's nothing wrong with practice and and, and playing a sport. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I can point you to example after example after example of parents who push their kids to sports when they were 13, 14, 15, and now they're graduating as a senior in high school, and they're dumping church, they're dumping God, because mom and dad, I'm going to go play on a scholarship for this over here, and they just go off, and they're done with their Christian walk. They're done with their faith. Why? Because sports has become a little G God for them. And so we have to be very careful that as we help them and as we aid them to become better at something they may already be good at, we have to be careful that we push them to things that are going to aid them for eternity and aid them for the cause of Christ. You go back to the example of being a mechanic. Maybe God doesn't—maybe it's a a son, and maybe God doesn't call him to preach. Maybe God doesn't call him to the full-time ministry to where that's his, can I say, quote-unquote, job. Not everybody's called to be on full-time staff at a church. And so maybe his calling will to be a mechanic. Maybe his calling is to work a bus route, maybe to work on the church buses, and he's going to be a mechanic and all these different things. We want to help him and aid him because we don't know what his future holds. And if we can help him to learn things like that, why he can use that around the house. And you see where I'm going with this. We want to aid them in different areas that will help them in their life spiritually and physically as they provide for their families. Next, challenge them. Challenge them to push past their comfort zone and be willing to stand with them as they do. We need to get our children out of their comfort zones. And an area that I see so many parents just allow their children to just sit in their comfort zone is the area of food. Yes, so small, I understand. But, I mean, I can tell you, teenager after teenager after teenager, where their parents allow them to be picky. Because you do allow them, right? They're hungry enough, they're going to eat. They may despise peas, like I do. But they're hungry enough, they're going to eat. And also, they know if mom and dad said, eat your peas. I didn't have an option. Like, being picky, like, mom and dad, I don't like peas. That was not an option for me. 
And what were they doing? They were pushing me past my comfort zone because so many areas in life, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to do something that you don't necessarily want to do. It's right. You should do it, but you probably don't want to. There's going to be areas like that all throughout life, whether it be meeting someone new, maybe public speaking, a new craft or a new trade to learn, or praying about the future. Challenge them. Say, hey, let's push past our comfort zone. You know, you're praying about your future. You've always wanted to be, let's go back to our illustration, you've always wanted to be a mechanic. Why don't we pray about Bible college? Why don't we try and push past the comfort zone? And I'm willing to stand right here for you. I'm right here with you. I'm here to back you up. I'm there for you. But let's push past our comfort zone. Next, in seeing greatness in your children, you must be willing to keep the line of communication open and honest with them. If you are going to see greatness in your children and you're going to help them continue to achieve greatness, you're going to have to be willing to keep the line of communication open and honest with them. They must know that they can talk with you at any time. At any time. Whether it be ups, downs, problems, victories, the communication has to be open. The problem is we often crush the line of communication when we get mad at our kids for communicating when they did something wrong. Dad, I I just want you to know I I lied. Oh, why did you do that? Oh, that makes me so angry. I hate lies. You know what? No. Listen to me. They're fessing up. They're getting right. There is times to get upset, uh, you know, a righteous anger. Most of us aren't, um, aren't able to achieve a righteous anger, and, uh, but there's times to be upset and righteously angry about something they've done. But if we're not careful, we can crush the line of communication when our child comes to us and admits something that they did wrong. That's what we want. They do something wrong. We want them to come to us and admit it. It's better that way. We don't want to have to find out about it. Just come to us and tell us. That's a time where we go from rah, 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 to, you know what? That was wrong. You shouldn't have lied. You're still going to get punished, but I am so proud of you for coming to me and telling me. And you know what? The punishment would have been so much worse if I had found out about it on my own. So I want you to know I'm so proud of you. This is exactly what you need to do. And what we do is we keep that line of communication open. Make sure you're not crushing your kids when they do something wrong and they communicate to you about it. They need to know that what they did was wrong, but they did do right by coming to you as mom and dad and admitting that they did it. Teach them that being opest, oh, opest, I just combined open and honest. It's a new word. And teach them that by being open and honest is always the right thing to do. Next, don't cut their chances to achieve greatness. Don't cut their chances to achieve greatness. Often we want our children to get out of things that are hard or difficult because we want to help them, and it's actually not helping them. Think about... You know, and I I was homeschooled, and I believe in homeschooling. My kids are going to be homeschooled, but let's be honest. We all know some families who, like, they're homeschooling because they don't want their children to have to actually do the work of school. They're off on what I would call the crunchy line. 
They're like, well, my kid will never use that in his life. So he's going to come out here and he's going to start going to work at age 12. He's going to be on the job site with me every day. That's going to be his school. That's not school. All right. That's not school. And a lot of times it comes down because they think, well, he's not, never going to use chemistry in his life. Like, that's not important. He's never going to use that. And I get it. I hated chemistry. In my line of work as a as a assistant to the pastor, I rarely use, like pretty much never use what I was taught in chemistry for anything I do. But I want you to be very careful, parent, because a lot of times I see parents say, well, they're never going to use this and they're never going to use that, so I'm just going to get them out and I'm going to adjust their this and that and I'm going to allow them to skip this and da-da-da because, well, chemistry is hard and, and algebra 2 is hard and geometry is hard and all those things and they'll never use them. That may not be a good idea or a good attitude to have, but that may not be a good um, idea. And here's the reason why. Maybe the thing that inspired them to become a doctor was because, yeah, at first chemistry was hard, but suddenly halfway through the class, they realized, I really like chemistry. I really like studying this health book. And maybe they realize, you know what? I think I'd like to be a scientist. I would like to be a creationist, and I would like to travel around and teach people about creation, but I've got to have some understanding of what true science is, and boy, I like this chemistry stuff. It was hard at first, but boy, I sure am glad I went through it. You know what you just did by saying, oh, you don't have, I, I know chemistry is so hard. You don't have to do it. It's okay. You'll never use it. They will use it if they were called to be a doctor or they were called to be a scientist, but you just cut their chances because you wanted to cut out something that you felt was difficult for them. Allowing your child to not sweat in the yard, doing yard work, may cut the development of hard work ethic. Be careful. Be careful that you don't cut out something that's hard because it may keep them from greatness. We say, well, they're, they're never going to use that. You don't know that. You don't know that. You say, and they're never going to use geometry, but God intended them to be an architect that maybe helps churches uh, design church buildings and build churches at a very effective cost, but they need all that geometry and algebra. And you cut their greatness because you thought, well, they're my kid. They'll never use this. They're going to be a, they're going to be a, the veterinarian or whatever. And um, listen to me. Don't cut your child, your children's chance for greatness. Sometimes things are hard, and we may sit there and wonder, you know, they're really not because there's some. Let's be honest. There are some subjects in school where, like, they're probably never going to use this. Make them do it anyway. Make them do it anyway. You don't know how God could possibly use that in their life to spark something for them to do something great for the cause of Christ. Um, next, tell them when you see something great. There is nothing wrong with praising your children. Wow, that was, oh man, that was wonderful. And that's especially important at ages one, two, three, four, five. That is like the building block. When you train a dog, all right? When you train a dog, you know what you start with? You start with treats and what they call positive reinforcement. You start with all these things about developing their mental state and keeping their attention on you, and you're developing their drive, and you are just praising that dog. Oh, way to go, Fido. Great job. Oh, good. Good sit. Great. You're, you're developing all that. You know why? 
because later on you're going to start applying that discipline a lot more, but that dog needs to know what they've done great. You say, are you calling your children a dog? Absolutely not. But we too use some of the same principles, right? We want, even at two, three, four, they're starting to receive some discipline. But we want to make sure we overload them with praise when they do something right. Oh, Freedom, you did such a good—that's my daughter's name. Freedom, you did such a wonderful job cleaning up those toys. Great job. Daddy's so proud of you. Give them a hug. Praise them when you see something good. Next, remind your kids that true greatness is only found in the eyes of the Lord. True greatness is only found in the eyes of the Lord and keeping our mind on things above. Challenge your children to consider what the Lord wants them to do with their future. Teach them that sports, being good at the boyfriend-girlfriend game, weightlifting, wrestling, all those things, all those hobbies, really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Teach them what truly matters and what is truly great. Soul winning, devotions, serving the Lord, church, and you name the rest. There are fun hobbies to have, but invest time in what counts, what truly is greatness. Learn to differentiate that for your children. Now, remember this. Now, I'll finish with this, and we kind of touched on this a little bit when we talked about in our last episode, 200 to 5, we talked about parental lies. And uh, But let me encourage you to remember this. Your kids are a product of you and the way you raise them. Don't blame their friends, their school, or some other thing for the way they are developing. It comes down to you. Yes, a friend may be affecting their attitude, but it comes back to me as a parent. If I'm giving my child too much liberty to do whatever they want with that friend, then you know what? It's really my issue. It's my fault. I probably need to cut it back. Yes, your son, your daughter may be mixed up with something on the internet that they should have never got mixed up with, but maybe it's because it comes back to us. We gave them too much liberty on the phone. Yes, they may, may be rebelling in some areas, but I guarantee you there is something that probably needs to be shored up in the home. And so we have to be very careful. When we see something bad in our children and we want to correct it, let's first take a step back and say, you know what? How have I as a parent contributed to this problem? What have I allowed? What have I not done? How can I fix this? And then from there, we go and take a look at the child. But we must, we must start seeing the greatness in our teenagers and the greatness in our children. Can I just tell you this, parent, and I'll remind you this again today and we'll be finished. Your teens, your children are great if you choose to see it and help them to achieve it. Your teens are great if you choose to see it and help them to achieve it. I hope that episode was a help and a blessing to you today. If you have any questions, you can always send those into the email, joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. But until next time, my friend, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cults of Christ.